A2 Millennials, then Full Society. On today's episode, I'm talking with Emily Frude about capitalism, critical thinking and music. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to A2 Millennials. I am Louise Duncan and today I am joined by... Emily Frude, overwhelmed master's student struggling with (laughs) just about everything in life. Oh, oh, what a wonderful way to title yourself. Um, thank you for joining intro, me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, but this is going to be a much, a much, or a slightly less structured episode as I think there is such a big uh, period of exploration in, in becoming an adult. And as, as we're going through the interesting search of, of trying to understand growing up um, as, as a millennial, um, and and the horrid effects it has had on us. Um, we, we're going to be talking about a bit of high school, definitely touching on university itself. Um, but I even just think more that that time of transition. Um, I know <laughs> over the last few months it has been oh I'm finally an adult and it's horrible. Um, after you know craving for so long the the adulthood status. Um, yeah. Or kidding myself into thinking, oh, yeah, now I'm an adult. Um, but no, now I am an adult. And it's like, oh, um, I, it's I'd fun. love to it know just, some of your it thoughts. Kind of, it kind of hits you in the face, doesn't it? I, but I think especially this year might have been the worst year to try and mm. become that little bit more independent. Because suddenly we're dealing with being stuck inside completely. Um, feeling like the people that we, I guess rely or depend on you know our friends our family we can't see them Mm. (laughs) we can't like interact in that way and I think that's a for so many people is a fundamental part of being an adult is is holding on to the like support that you have for as long as you can before being like getting away from it um I, I think as well part of part of that end transition of 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 growing up whether that is from young adult to adult or whether that's sort of teenage brain into adult living but maybe still sort of teenage brain and um, I think part of that is also building up some of these structures which will then sort of support you as you go on so I think I think you're right in that that basically whether we had built them well you know or not managed to at all everything has sort of been ripped from our hands this year um, in a lot of unpredicted ways, I think definitely I know I have felt the need for that positive reinforcement in terms of, oh, yeah, other adults do this like this. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, you can, of course, call your mom and dad of like, how do I taxes? <laughs> how does <laughs> how, do how I does one on tax? washing machine? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the washing machine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I think that we're all kind of stuck inside it's sort of silent silence lonely suffering um mm. rather than i feel collective joyful suffering um which is sort of <laughs> joyful of suffering is an interesting way of putting it uh, maybe or you know the the you'll you'll suffer but you were you expected it um i th- yeah it's an interesting point i'd seen a couple of people talk about like the the way that we structure like work is supposed to be hard um 
medicine is supposed to taste bad and like mm. the the way that we think about these things as like important life uh, experiences of suffering for like the, i don't know the greater good of achieving later in life yeah. somehow like why do why do we condition ourselves to think that what we go through that is bad has to happen yeah and i mean we're also then brought up with that mentality of well i worked you know i worked really hard at your age and and i mm-hmm. think again those I guess negative reinforcements at that point of the you know well I had to do the paper round at 6am and you only have to sell your soul to Primark you know or you know I think I think the workplace especially is such a different environment um when it comes to the expectation of how much you are to I whether it is suffer or give up I'm slightly sort of torn over but I think I think it's both I think giving Mm -hmm. up is a form of suffering because you you're you're getting rid of your your liberties i guess yeah. you know your your time your energy your passion because i know that whenever i've worked in it has been particularly retail um that i definitely lose all sense of interest in doing anything yeah, totally. um and it, it feels mindless um and i think it's really horrible the way that that's where I go on another anti-capitalist rant Um, (laughs) about like structuring the workplace as uh, Mm. a constant I mean it's kind of society really because it's a a constant uh, you can just go into a shop or order it online either way someone in the workplace is suffering and it has been me (laughs) once or twice yeah I know I used to come in and visit you Sort of hoping. Uh, which I, which made my day, <laughs> where, when people people visiting, when you're in a terrible job, like again, it's mm-hmm. that kind of support that obviously we can't do anymore, yeah, because yep. you can't like go and see somebody and say, oh, how are you doing? Like, oh, it's so good to see you, blah blah blah, because we can't see anyone. Yeah. I think there's also sometimes, and I know I felt this a lot when I was doing housekeeping for, I mean, a so-called prestigious building. Um, they, you know, there was a sense of, oh, you know, you've got to be proud to scrub these toilets, you know, and and like, oh, is the, you know, wedding bed suite covered in blood and semen and vomit, you know, yeah, that's great, they deserved it, they paid for it, so you have they to clean paid. it, yeah. you know, and I remember just being like, I think I definitely hit this, that was that like adult brain kicking in, I think at that point because I was a bit younger that I was like, I don't actually have to put up with this if I don't want to mm-hmm. you know I've been court uh, you know I, ha- I am agreeing to work for this money in this location for this time in this place and you know I, I was very much supported by my parents at that point it wasn't uh you know it was a summer job rather than like a, a rent paying job um yeah. and and it sort of twigged something in me that I was like fuck it um and then I never worked for anyone else ever again <laughs> pretty much um but that comes from, you know, supportive parents who have been able to, you know, that I lived with them at that time. And then as I've gone to uni, um, I was able to do sort of little bits of work over summer, but didn't have to um, work full time as, as, as you know, so many other of my friends have who had to do two yeah. full time jobs. And exactly. Uni. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely I yeah. feel like I've I was quite lucky that I felt like I didn't have to work. Um, during my undergrad, partly mm. because like if I tried working 
while trying to get a degree it would kind of kill me and I only worked during the summer um, yeah but it was because I was I guess lucky enough to receive a full amount of funding from SAS but you only get that if you need it obviously yeah. so you know I guess it swings and roundabouts but yeah knowing that like a lot of my other friends have had to sell their souls while trying to do something that will get them either a better job or, or something that yeah. they can enjoy um, is and, really hard. And then the job hunt this year has, has for everyone yeah. been such a sort of, uh, I mean, d- d- disheartening more than ever, I think. We've got a good couple friends who incredibly skilled in the area of media or, or you know, creative expertise that they mm-hmm. have, but the jobs just aren't there anymore. Because either, you know, the companies that are hiring are thinking it's too risky at the moment or have already been laying off their staff or have decided, you know, we can get somebody else to do two people's jobs. Yeah, and, that, yeah, and, the consolidation yeah. of work. But then obviously it puts people under more pressure. Yeah. Um, and then also the killing of the arts industry this year, which has been yeah. immense. I know quite a few people who worked in um, capital theatres, which is with the... Um, the Festival Theatre, King's Theatre, and, and, and I think, yep. I can't remember which other one it is, but, um, you know, they're dealing with a huge amount of loss because obviously we can't open theatres, and especially at Christmas time because the the uh, the, panto, the pantos, which I personally don't like panto, no, but I, I know it's like, like a, it's a massive influx of income for theatres totally. um, because loads of people. Grannies. Go love pantos yeah i mean and like tiny babies because the grannies take the tiny babies (laughs) hey look babies deserve theater as well okay babies deserve theater too yeah absolutely Um, (laughs) and and also everyone else deserves theater um but also babies and grannies um and, and yeah i think it's sort of accumulated into this really strange time that we have sort of graduated into i know you're still sort of continuing your studies which is why it's Mm -hmm. great to talk to you um whether you feel like i'm on the outside looking in um (laughs) i don't know i think definitely me and um, my business partner who you also know anton Mm -hmm. um we've started our business and it's like okay work time um and there's definitely times when we sit down and have the very adult conversations and we're able to act like real people and it's very businessy and important and then there's the other times where we're just joking all the time because i which think i guess we, is good it's good but i think we need that relief that yeah. there's an element of we can't take this for a hundred percent granted i think we're aware that like it's incredibly lucky that we've managed to start and that we're doing well um so we've got to keep you know a happy spirited mind about it otherwise it's like oh god this is it we've got to do really well there's those pressures Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) but yeah like you say it it becomes a uh it becomes a chore Mm. and i think the minute work starts becoming a chore um you lose that passion and you yeah you lose the interest and you don't want to do it and i think yeah i've my master's is a really interesting thing because I'm also thinking right now um, about where I want that to take me um, yep. and the reasons behind why I decided 
to to study more um mm. obviously i'd known that getting a master's degree would um definitely improve my prospects for employment um but also was was my decision behind studying further for this year at any point uh influenced by yeah. the job prospects of 2020 um yeah. and i i still yeah i still think about that a lot and it, you know i guess we're kind of halfway through the academic year now um but yeah i'm dealing with thinking about what is right what isn't and and i think that, that we shouldn't be expected to to think about making one decision and keeping with it um because obviously like i said earlier i'm thinking about switching courses or either potentially even dropping out and like for me that definitely can feel like a a weakness and a uh uh like i'm quitting mm. but obviously it's not because if it's not right for me it's not right um yeah yeah i i know ricardo sort of has has um is our friend who we had on the other week um equally doing a master's but decided to just go to a different city uh gross um <laughs> but um you know has been finding it um incredibly difficult i think there are always those jump up expectations of okay this is now another level of prestigious you know ivory tower you have to suffer to get this degree um which i know um as my mum did a, a media was media and communications masters way back back in the day talking about similarly that approach that she felt when she went into the workplace or or into the 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 academic sphere um as as a young sort of feminist woman um (laughs) you know and it and it being all men and and incredibly sort of suffer suffering requirement um but then when she came out there was that kind of well i did it you know and you suffered through it and and well done um and i think so much of like learning about your own mental health is deciding about how much how much suffering you can put up with um though i think i definitely talk from a place where i really have not had to suffer so much i don't know i definitely come from a place of privilege and i I know i am aware that i do not suffer as much as so many in the world um but i think i can see those structures that are in place and they they drive me mad um mm-hmm. and and the end goal is eventually through NACA media is to you know take down the patriarchy um, <laughs> and and we're doing it f- flawlessly so far um but <laughs> no um i think yeah it it's there are so many it's you know in whatever you do in the in the new business that we're going into i think there are so few business women that I find because again, there's those ideas of, oh, if you're a businesswoman, you've got to be tough as nails and you've got to be, you know, iron lady and, and you've got to be a Tory and all these other things, which are just unachievable for me. Um, but that, that have those sort of ancient statues, uh, I'm losing my words, but um, have got these ideas behind them, which bring along all of this, just structure which does not work in the current world and cannot function um i think in the world that is to come after because why on earth 
would you go and do a degree now where you know everything is maybe online and you're trying to do something practical or why would you go and start a business if you will be capped at a certain amount because you just can't get the customers you know why would Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. be doing these things which were sort of so commonplace and maybe thrown away that are kind of we can't risk it anymore Um, yeah that's uh yeah (laughs) you know think about the the expectations of business and capitalism oh boy if we could do business without capitalism i'd be so happy Mm -hmm. we're trying our best um i think i think the you know the best way that we can go into making our own company is like we're setting our holidays was talking about how much holiday do we get and I was like, yep, standard standard UK law is 28 days if you're working five to seven. So you get like two weeks. Um, and Anton was like, that doesn't seem right. That's too much. Lusai. Um, Anton is a bit of a workaholic. If you couldn't tell from our BizPod podcast. Um, but I think that also is part of that, you know, he is a man and he's got to be, you know, we've all got to be productive and, and produce is sort of part of it. And you are, you are valued on how much you can produce, you know, whether that is in an academic setting of how much academic writing can you produce, you know, to how much, how much hours of work can you produce? How many podcasts can you make? Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think valuing people purely by their productive status is absolutely insane. There was an article I was reading today, which was, or or the proposition of the idea of an article, which was should should disabled workers be paid minimum wage or less, because arguably they can't produce as much. Which oh my god, oh, was it, it, it absolutely the the worst way of thinking, but also does not you know it dehumanizes people, it devalues people, it, it I mean it values people for the absolute wrong reasons. Um, you know, despite the incredible people that so many disabled people have made, it was a huge bracket of people, by the way. There is such a yeah. such a variety of people that you could label as disabled, um, and and yeah, I mean, it was clearly just posturing for for anger comments, and but mm-hmm. you know, I think it it's telling that we get to a point where a troll article could be. <laughs> You know, could yep. be something that somebody in in a position of power is legitimately thinking. Yeah. Well, I think I think definitely the the child brain is so focused on on the self, and you know, am I hungry? Am I hurting? You know, and it slowly expands to mum and dad. You know, who are they? What are they? That those influences. I mean the 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 power that parents or the amount of influence that parents have over their kid i think i think is incredibly tremendous and that we are only starting to fully understand it now with you know second to third generation trauma being passed down um but i think yeah and then that slowly expands to your friends but i think you've got to get to a point where it can no longer be just the local people around you i think part Mm -hmm. of that adult adult mindset is thinking of oh the globe is dying but what does that mean you know that that there are people in in totally other countries where because the sea levels are rising their homes are being destroyed you know i think 
oh, that sounds bad, but an actual understanding of that situation can sort of be a much different experience than just understanding the words. And I think in the same way that, yes, when you start to work mm. with uh, minorities and people who are truly in desperate situations, I think you don't quite realize how desperate it is for some people until you're you're really seeing it and feeling it. Um, and of course, Christmas is one of those uh, hor horrible times of year where people are being kicked out because of uh, not able to pay rent and people are, are really mm -hmm. struggling and, and families have expectations and, and that can sort of split them up and, and you know it is not only freezing and cold and more expensive to live because of the time of year um, and and there's a local sort of food donation nearby um, that they, they give out meals to the homeless uh, I think it's every weekend not mm -hmm. entirely sure um but yeah the more it gets colder the more people come because it's hard to get hot food you know and hot food can mean so much more and in a society where there are billionaires and some people can't get hot food like i i i'm still struggling to understand how that is put together how uh -huh. how can those two ideas coexist there was that great photo more recently i i saw on reddit which was it was like food banks in the like 1950s and food banks now. And it was the same amount of people, but instead of being stood outside, they were all in cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing has changed. Nothing has yeah. changed I mean, yet. Sorry. You think about the, 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 the increase in food banks in this country between mm. 20, I think it was 2010 and like now yeah. it's skyrocketed. Like, yeah, we, of course, had food banks, but they were there to look after the people who were, like, in incredible need. Um, yeah. But now that population has obviously grown because of yeah. the way that people in positions of power manipulate the economy, the, um, the way that public spending is spent and yeah, yeah. all of those different things. Um, yeah, it's just, oh, I hate it. I also hate it. But you know, I love, I love recording podcasts with my friends. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, we, we, you know, it's, it's a bit of a downer, but I think we've got to keep light in the situation that I think there has been some slight shifts in, in the world recently shall we say that i think a lot of people have also hit that point of i'm not suffering anymore i can't do it um and we have seen i guess not not to say that that it is an adult mindset and that it wasn't before but i think the the year has pushed people to an unbreakable sort of edge um, and especially mm -hmm. with the amount of protests that we've had this year constantly. I mean, the French are also now protesting like mad. Um, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's about time. It's what they love <laughs> to do. Um, no hate. I love the French. Um, please, please let me come back. I want to visit you again. Um, but but yeah, I think the, the sort of <laughs> rise in fascism um, that is mm -hmm. being seen in flickers around the world, um, I think is also showing the rise in in people who want control of their own money you know who want not necessarily nationalism but i think who want you know their own their own house and their own land and their own comforts in a way 
that can be tied back to a country. I think trying to hark back to an idea of when things were great is incredibly problematic. But I think also people being like, elements are less complicated. You know, things have gotten very complicated. Um, And I think just two sides adding more and more complication is going to just sort of break yeah, things even more like you we're, know? we're we're absolutely in a much more polarized mm-hmm. state that's the word. Than, than, than we have been for a while but i think it's really interesting when we talk about the rise of fascism again in yeah. in in the past i guess five ish years even mm. um i'd see brexit as a bit of a, a turning point i think in the uk oh, yeah. but um the people that vote for or want the kind of populist policies and governments across particularly Europe but also the United States um they want particular things that are that also happen to be universal yeah. they want um to have a good quality of life a uh an ability to uh, have a government that puts their interests first, um, mm. have, um, you know, a, a lower cost of living and, like I say, a better quality of life. All yeah. of these things are universal. Everybody wants that. Um, yeah. But the issue is the way that it gets communicated. And I think this is where I go back to saying university kind of was a big part of my change in outlook is because we gained the ability to critically analyze the media that we're consuming whereas i guess you can take the united states as a as a, a more obvious less subtle example of all the republicans watch fox news and don't watch anything else you know um Mm. They're all, I mean, the U.S. is a complicated relationship yeah. with republicanism, conservativeness, and <laughs> the like. Right wing in general. Exactly. But but I guess even in this country, like, the the way that position, people in positions of power or news organizations um, can still kind of send out a message of, hey, all these things you want, it's not happening because of these people or this group or yeah. this reason. It's not It's not our fault. It's not the government's mm-hmm. fault, even though it actually is. Because yeah, the government, we, because who has been the in evidence. power. Exactly. The conservative governments who have been in power for the last decade. Yeah, I wonder um, why it's so shite but, now. <laughs> but they're blaming the EU. They're blaming immigrants or yeah they're whatever. blaming labor quite exactly exactly and you're like how can you how can you blame labor when they've not really been able to do anything <laughs> when they it's, haven't done anything when they haven't done anything um yeah so yeah. yeah it's i think being able to critically analyze who is saying what changed how yeah. how i view the world and i think, I think is an incredibly yeah. important skill even understanding your own biases i think even at that point that i definitely Mm -hmm. you know i'm aware that if i'm reading an article 
you know, and, and everything's in my favor. And yes, I agree with it. I think I can still be aware of, okay, well, it's a little too pandery. And, you know, you've said a lot of stuff here, but you haven't really put in sources where if it was something that I wouldn't agree with, I would be then asking, where are your sources? Where are your facts um, yep. coming from? Which I think is really, really important with that self-checking of what are you saying and who are you saying. I think Twitter has got its really great feature recently but that before you can retweet an article is a pop-up says, have you read it? Mm, and yes, I'm absolutely. like, you know what? Always when that comes up and I haven't read it, even if it's maybe somebody I know who's reshared it, I go and fucking read it. Uh, you know, as someone who struggles with reading, I'm like, sure, I can commit you know, tw 10 yeah. minutes or something to, to reading this thing. And more often than not is I've been like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm happy with sharing that, you know, under my name and sharing this information. But there has been a time where I've gone, actually, you know what? This doesn't add as much value as I had thought. Or there are elements which may cause harm in this, which I hadn't originally seen or the person who had already retweeted it maybe hadn't originally seen. Mm -hmm. Um because I think so much of the time we are thinking about ourselves and this is funny and whatever. You know, I think especially memes. Memes are so telling of a community because they can be incredibly hurtful to some and it's never realized until it has already reached, you know, the people who were never even in that community in the first place um, and, and aren't even necessarily from a malicious point of view. It can be sort of such tiny origins can make you know huge impacts now um which also we've then got to think critically about what am i joking about where are the jokes coming from you know that's a funny voice is it just that it's a funny voice or is it you know a representation of somebody from somewhere you know can that be a person yeah. can a person hear that and go fuck that's me that's horrid um and so yeah I, I do love it when you share Australian news, though, because partly it's like, this is great news. But then I'm also like, oh, crikey, you know, just <laughs> there'll be like one thing that they say that triggers. Yeah, that's an Australian accent. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. that, that's the good shit right there. <laughs> I mean, even I think that's also really interesting is being able to access and engage with mm. world media. Um People get really, I, I, I'm not saying I'm uh, not responsible for this as well, but like I get very focused about like the, the space that I'm in, you know, of course, yeah. why wouldn't you be, you know, whether it's focusing on have to. particularly Scottish politics or whether I'm thinking about news in Edinburgh or whether I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the UK, I, it's very difficult to find or access or learn about the way that different countries or the world works. Um, it's definitely a lot easier, of course, mm. with the internet and um, social media and things like that. But we're so saturated, saturated with information that it's impossible to troll through, um, especially when yeah. it can be inaccessible or we don't have the time or you know, whatever multitude of reasons. Um, but I think it's really important that we try our best to engage with that media when we can. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've um, more recently started um, reading not just through 
the usual news outlets that I go through, but also through French news, partly mm -hmm. because I still sort of feel a tie to the country that I lived for so long, though I would never be like, I am French, you know, or I don't <laughs> think I have ever claimed sort of any, any uh, titles from that. But it is a place that I do feel an attachment to and that I want to know and understand. And so, yeah, that, that is a whole different sphere. But I think there is something important in actually going, you know, to to the news publications of that country and understanding and reading and going okay yes this this is le monde and this is you know french people writing about france rather than you know a bbc article which quotes you know an interview with a french journalist who wrote about an italian journalist or something you know i think so much of news itself can be sort yeah. of third fourth party um i mean quite interestingly we saw this literally within the last few days with Elliot Page that how important mm -hmm. it was that the Wikipedia article was edited early because news sites like would go to Wikipedia and just take whatever mm -hmm. and so there was sort of there was a brilliant team behind that editing the Wikipedia correctly um, or at least my understanding at this current moment is it has been edited correctly mm -hmm. um, but it was it was so instantaneous because there was an understanding of how easily the false information or outdated information could be spread, um, and so I thought I thought that the awareness was was amazing along with the news itself, of course. Exactly, yeah. It definitely brought it had no small amount of joy to my life to hear about mm. it. Um, um, I think especially because the the UK particularly has always had, well, has had for the past good couple of years a really big transphobia problem. And there were a couple of bigger stories um, that had come out at the same time. So it was nice to just completely stop yeah, thinking about something. all the bad crap and think yeah. about, wow, this amazing person coming out and, like, oh, I love all the movies that they're in. And, like, yep. yeah, so it was, it's, I think yeah super important to have those kind of role models as well i can't imagine um or i can't even think begin to imagine what it would have yeah. been like for me at like 14 or 15 having those kind of role models that are like so public yeah yeah and and i think that that sort of that that kind of again comes back to that part of growing up is that we as social creatures you know really have to see to do i think a lot of the time you know we talk about learning um and i'm incredibly a visual and auditory learner i've got to see it i've got to hear it you know and then i can do it but i think that is a, a universally human thing you know is we've is it's not that it's impossible and i think people can can work on yourself and your you know your your personality i'm not i think i'm not saying that if you don't have a role model you're fucked what i am saying <laughs> is that um with role models you know you, we create the the better next generations um and that is so understood in in the learning community but i think yeah in terms of of you know how to raise kids Mm -hmm. um you know how how do we move on to the future you know how to be a good a good ally or an advocate is i think you've got to see people being not necessarily as eyes or advocates but i think you've got to see someone doing activism right to learn how to do yeah. it right you know i think we've got to 
learn from the people who have done stuff incredibly well to be able to do it well ourselves because again there's so many so many pitfalls um and i think there are a lot of well-intentioned people out there that can get it wrong and then i think there are people who are going after all the well-intentioned people but actually the well-intentioned people just you know are trying to do their best and at that point it's sort of well what's you know who 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 is fighting who here um but but it is really brilliant to see someone who is comfortable in being themselves Mm -hmm. i think in a time where we are all we i think we have all been forced to look hard into the mirror um and kind of at ourselves and at what we have become um it's a bit dumb but there is a quote in true blood (laughs) where it's if you i'm trying to remember exactly what it is but it's if you can't sit and look at yourself in the mirror for 10 seconds without either having to leave or crying then then who even are you and it's that idea of if you cannot be comfortable with yourself and your own loneliness and your own mind and your own perspective for 10 seconds then that's something that you need to work on because i think we often don't realize when we're alone when we're isolated or we can feel over alone and isolated when actually we're surrounded by a community um i don't know how you feel about that yeah i think that's really interesting um are you yeah. going to go away and look in mirrors now? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm looking at this camera Yeah, we've got video Discord. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, could I really sit and look at myself for 10 seconds? I know I do when I'm speaking, but it's because I'm thinking mm. about what I'm saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult uh, relationship to have with yourself um, mm. that I think... It's especially hard when you are between the ages of, I guess, even... Alive and for dead. For me, I, th- I guess it was... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I, th- I think especially difficult between like 10 and young adulthood, whenever that yeah. you feel like that finishes for you. Because um, th- everyone goes through a, a... I don't like the word transition. Um <laughs> Just because I feel like I mean, it's so attached do, to me though. being trans, but like, but yeah, everyone goes through a transitional period. Um, it's it's yeah, your your brain literally gets rewired. Um, well, yeah. You know, I th- I and I think that that's an incredibly powerful thing, which is often not appreciated for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know that in those formative years, if you have felt incredibly lonely, that will leave a loneliness with you you know they they say that the music that you listen to when you're 14 is the music you listen to for the rest of your life um (laughs) (laughs) is that why phil collins is on the top of your list (laughs) it was tarzan he got you um honestly that's probably true (laughs) but but i think i think that's a really interesting one that it's not to do with you know you're stuck in the generation that you're born with but i think it's that at that time um, there are like associations and there are stuff that you're doing which will sort of stick with you in parts of your brain that are making themselves that mm-hmm. then stick with you. Um, and and whether that is that you are, you know, transitioning into a businessman or, you know, you're transitioning into a decent human being, you know, just as if they're two ends of a spectrum or something, um, you know. Maybe they I are. Think, oh, my God, businessman is one end. 
decent human being uh, anyway um you know i think i think that defines us but it does not constrain us as mm. people B- businessman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cannot be contained <laughs> it's the gender options on it on a forum is a businessman or decent human being (laughs) i know and and where do we even put nakamedia that's the problem mm -hmm. i don't know there needs to be a a a a writing option um but i think the the like you're saying about uh, music um Mm. is i think for me uh maybe it's because i've got terrible memory but I don't remember valid. what what music I was listening to when I was fourteen. Yeah. But I know that the music I'm listening to now, particular because most of it happens to be eighties mm. music, um, is I feel like that is what's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. But I feel like that is because I'm going through or have gone through a second. Oh, so very you're 14 steep. now well, exactly it's like am i 14 now because of the second puberty that i had to deal with you know am i am i uh going through that now so all of the things i'm experiencing and finding joy in now mm. what i'm gonna find joy in later on in my life i hope but i so. also think i i know the mind will often take out bad bits as well or or will will not let us remember as well the horrible experiences um and so that that is maybe also a factor that there is an an added enjoyment into this music and these cultures and this stuff of the time i think you know if there's a tv show that comes out that if we're particularly sad and it's really really good you know i think we can think that that is then good and then in years to come you know i will always think of next gen as an amazing tv show even though there are definitely elements that I'm like, okay, okay, d- don't watch this episode. She fucks a ghost. It's fine. Just don't think about it, you know? <laughs> sure, why not? 14 yeah. and 16 was a lot of classical music and a lot of jazz. And, yeah. And so, especially this year, I think there's a very clear reason why the Christmas jazz playlist started about halfway through November. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a wanting those nice easy simple feelings but also there is something that really sort of makes me photosynthesize when i listen to jazz you know um that there's kind of a a a good warm thing like i know i i equally listen to sort of a lot lot of 80s and more 70s music but i Mm -hmm. think that's because that's what dad listened to and at about 14 15 i was starting to expand my musical repertoire so i was like dad what do you like and there was a okay this is what I, I like and so that sort of became a part of it yeah that's really interesting because I I grew up with hearing just about nothing but mm. my um mum's favorite music and that was things like Queen it was the Beatles it was mm. um I guess uh, towards 70s rock bands like Status Quo um and then I'm very much moved away from that and I think when I started coming to terms with being trans and queer I interacted with the book because my mum hates or like didn't when growing up she was like nah 80s music was garbage the 80s were terrible but that was because yeah. of a relationship she, that she'd had with the 80s um, so it was a purely personal thing for her but me coming mm. out 
the the for so many lgbt people the 80s is synonymous with queer yeah. music and absolutely you know a, a, an amazing time um for queerness but obviously also a really terrible time with things like a yep. the aids crisis and section 28 and whatever but yeah like i definitely found so much comfort in whitney houston mm. and it's raining men and like all oh of God. those songs you know like i will survive forever exactly you know and even i've actually started having um and this is thanks to my girlfriend is the um i, I know girlfriend um <laughs> is the the influxing country music in my life now oh my gosh but partic- <laughs> only, which but only a girlfriend can do i know but it's particularly like 60s uh 70s mm. country music um glenn campbell and i particularly dolly as well um yeah but the like inherent queerness in country yeah, music yeah country's pretty gay oh it's so gay um, and that's wonderful it, it it is you know like why would Glenn Campbell be singing a song called Rhinestone Cowboy if, like, that, that's, it's one of, the, it's such yeah. a gay song. If, like If they weren't manifesting it. If they weren't manifesting it, exactly. So I definitely yeah. think there's probably a different relationship between the childhoods for, um, I, I would say probably particularly trans teens, um, mm-hmm who either come out as trans in their teens or come out a lot later. Um, and those who don't, you know, um, like we've just said, you know, you've yeah. obviously had that relationship with music at a younger age than I did. Mm. But then I think also like when I was studying music, I think music has also been like a, has always been a huge thing. But oh, when absolutely. I think back to the first CDs that we had in the car, which I think I've already talked about, can't quite remember when we recorded the last one, but I've already talked about this. We had Queen and we had the first Scissor Sisters. Oh. And like that, uh, not Queen, sorry. We had uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> And the first Scissor Sisters. And as a, like a five-year-old, you know, I was singing along to these songs, not understanding the sort of meaning behind it. Incredibly queer music. Like, you don't, you can't really make a list of like, you know, mm-hmm. without having either either of those those two on it. Um, You know, so maybe the signs were there from the start. Uh, but <laughs> But I think... I think that's I don't know, yeah, but my yeah, my sister's not queer. Not not sure what happened there. Um but she had the same music. But I think yeah, there's there's something there that sort of a community are built round the importance of that. You know, I think mm-hmm. I I as growing up have understood the importance of music to me, but also the importance of music to others. You know, and especially like where jazz comes from and what, what has jazz won, you know, what, what or what has jazz done and what has jazz done for the people who made it, you know, and, and what happened to it. And um, I was going to visit the jazz bar this year. Rip, yeah, rip my plans to go to the mm-hmm. jazz bar. The one jazz bar we have in Edinburgh, very Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> we'll make plans next year for the jazz festival. Oh, absolutely. Um. But yes, unless there's there's anything else you would like to sort of add on to that, we can wrap up today. Not really. I'm just going to be thinking about queer music, I think, now. <laughs> We've really gone Thinking through it. or We've, listening. 
both. I'm going to be critically yeah. analyzing the anti-capitalist queer music that I'm listening to. Mm. Mm -mm, and that mm -mm, kind of sums yeah. up today, doesn't it? <laughs> I think it does. I'll have to figure out how to get that in the intro, yeah. Um, but thank you very much uh, for, for joining me today, Emily. No um, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm particularly on Twitter. It's uh, at uh, Emmy Fruity. That's E-M-I-F-R-O-O-D-I-E. Um, Wonderful. I'm also on Instagram, Zelda.scriptures. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. And thank stay tuned you. for next week. Bye for now. <laughs>